We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Knicks Film School pregame show. My name is Andrew Claudio, a.k.a. GMAC, and it's time to preview the Knicks' upcoming matchup on Saturday night against the Memphis Grizzlies. Joining me to talk about this game and give you a full preview of what's going on in Memphis is Daniel Greer. He is the host of the Grizz 901 podcast down in Memphis. And I enjoyed this conversation so much, mostly because not only was he engaging, not only was he informed on what's going on with the Memphis Grizzlies this year, but one word, trivia. He brought trivia to the podcast. You want to talk about bringing gifts. Uh, Not a single time have I interviewed somebody on this show and had someone ask me trivia about the Knicks. It was actually a very engaging conversation. I, I hope I don't... I'll let you find out for yourself just how well I did um, when we get to that portion of the show. But Daniel's going to join me in just a little bit. This is going to be very quick. The research for this episode, the Grizzlies are arguably the most bitten by injuries team in the NBA. I, I mean, I can tell you their net rating. It's uh, their, tw- their uh, 25th in net rating. It's about a minus five or minus six on the year. They just lost. I'm really recording this a couple hours after they lost to the Los Angeles Clippers. Actually, a hard-fought game in which they only lost by nine at home. But they lost Des Bain in this game, who only played 23 minutes and had 15 points. So add him to the list of the, I don't know, you could say walking wounded because like Des, Des Bain goes down with a bad ankle. Uh, Brandon Clark has an Achilles injury. Steven Adams was gone before the year with knee surgery. John Morant, their all-star, was suspended for 25 games, came back for 10, and then tore his labrum and is out for the year with surgery. Marcus Smart is now out for the next six weeks, so he will not be playing in this game. And look, the, the Grizzlies are have some good pieces. They're a good development story. They just signed Vince William Jr., but a two-way contract that got converted to a three-year deal. It's very similar to the Deuce McBride of it all, and he was starting at guard for them tonight against the, the Los Angeles Clippers. 
needless to say, this should be a pretty banged up and, and short-handed Grizzlies team that you hope the Knicks don't, don't take too lightly. So just real quick, in the 646 possessions that they don't have, Marcus Smart, John Morant, and Des Bain on the floor. The Grizzlies are minus 9.1 on the season. They are scoring 102 points per 100 possessions in, in that time, which would be the first percentile. They're in the bottom 1% of the league when those three are not in the court. And as I mentioned, none of them will be on the court on Saturday night. So we'll see what type of Knicks team comes out. I should mention also at the top, Jalen Brunson is questionable for this game with a right calf contusion, I believe was the official report. And look, this is this is more than anything why the Knicks need to go out and get a point guard and to potentially... Um, I mean, look, this was always the reason why people campaign to keep quickly and extend quickly because he's Brunson insurance. If he goes down, you still have a pretty good point guard to step in and take over. This is going to show you potentially if Brunson misses a game, uh, how much the Knicks need to go get a legitimate backup point guard to go over the reins. But that is a story for another day. Hopefully Brunson's able to play in this game. And if he isn't, hopefully the Knicks are still able to take care of business against a, a Grizzlies team that is shorthanded and playing the second night of a back-to-back. But there's a lot more going on in Memphis. Let's hear more about it. Here is my conversation with Daniel Greer of the Grizz 901 podcast previewing the Knicks matchup on Saturday night against the Memphis Grizzlies. Enjoy. Daniel, welcome to the show. What's up, man? Hey, listen, thank you for having me, as always. Um, it, it's it's an honor usually when somebody you know reaches out. And so being from a big fan base, it's even better because maybe, you know, we're, we're moving <laughs> on to the scene in life. But no, it's, it's great to have, have me on here uh, on your show. So it's awesome, man. Thank you. So I'll start here. Um, this is more for the video audience than the audio listeners because I'm staring at a Zach Randolph poster Ooh. behind you. And once a Nick, always a Nick. Zach Randolph <laughs> was uh, part of uh, a team that Isaiah Thomas put together that didn't make sense. And then the following year, D'Antoni was like, well, we got Jamal Crawford. We got Zach Randolph. Maybe this could be a thing. And two months into that season, everybody was traded because we were holding out for LeBron. Uh, it is interesting from my perspective as a Knicks fan that obviously goes back to the 90s and remembers those 2000s teams very well that didn't really accomplish anything. The difference in how we view Zach Randolph, and it was like this this very short stay, and the royalty he seems to be in Memphis. If you want to speak to that, to the Knicks fans that just aren't aware like how, how important he is to the fabric of Memphis Grizzlies fans and what they experienced in the, the late two, really, it's really like the early 2010s, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, and so like, so Zebo is the man here. Like him and Tony Allen, the, the grandfather himself, they are looked at as being some of, you know, the most important people of Memphis Grizzlies basketball ever. And that really trumps Ja, ja Morant, even though Ja is obviously ascending into the scene. You're talking about, you know, Zebo and Mike Conley, uh, Mark Gasol, and even T.A. They are all like the the four, like the the big uh, four here. And so that's what we, you know, that's what we look at Zebo as being the guy. He still comes back here on a consistent basis, still has a home here, and really has kind of made this his home, which has been crazy that somebody that doesn't even live here on a normal basis, but he actually being drafted or not drafted, but picked up by a team. When honestly, his his career was going down in a, in a bad direction, you know, and so then come and make that, you know, dude, it, it's been awesome to have him back in Memphis. So I use these as my two pillars of Memphis basketball, which you have Zach Randolph right here. And then you have uh, the other way, Penny Hardaway, 
which is obviously he's with Memphis basketball now, but he grew up, you know, in Memphis, played for University of Memphis when it was Memphis State. So these are my two pillars. I think that's the when you do word association with with Penny Hardaway, like like magic obviously would be the first word, but Memphis is like a one A as far as when you actually learn more about the league and where he's from and and what you probably should associate him with the most. Um, I'm happy to to bring up some. Some better times for, for the Grizzlies <laughs> to start this episode because since I reached out to you about doing this this episode and doing this podcast, John Morant went down for the year. Marcus Smart is down for, I believe, the next six weeks with injuries. And like Jaron Jackson Jr. didn't play in their most recent game um, against the Dallas Mavericks earlier this week. So I just like I, I like to ask how the vibes are with a with a team and with a fan base. I have an idea, but if I could be more specific, like compared to expectations coming into this year, knowing you were going to miss Ja for a while, and then after how last season ended, like how are the vibes in amongst the fan base with with everything that's gone on this year? So, are you familiar with the uh, the the many stages of grief? Yes, well, very, that's exactly <laughs> oh, where we're we going are. through it today. Okay, <laughs> therapy session it is. Let's do it. Yeah, so that's kind of where we are. Like you know, you're you're. The, the, the off season, you know, it doesn't, the, the last year didn't go the way it wanted to, right? So the vibes going into this year is, ah, you know, yes, yeah, Steve O should be coming back. But then the off season, you have Ja do stupid things and then he's suspended for the first 25 games. So you're, you're kind of like, ah, I think we'll be okay. We just got to survive the storm of the 25 games. So you're okay, feeling good into the season. We're championship contenders, getting, Z, uh, getting, uh, Steve O back, Steven Adams, that is. Uh, and so finally, you come out to the preseason and Steven Adams gets hurt. You're already down jaw. This team is just completely just on a whole nother level of just being wrecked and marred with injuries. And so at that point, you're like, can we just survive? Can we get through this? And uh, it was a chemistry issue early on uh, trying to figure out who's going to handle the ball, what you're going to do. And we still have that issue today. Uh, but the fact that this season has just been completely a wreck. We're finally now, and I know that you know we'll get into more expectation stuff, but we're finally into the point as Grizzlies fans, uh, probably the team as well. We know who we are. Like we're not going to be a playoff team, no matter how well we play. We would have to. I think it's twenty-seven and nineteen the rest of the way just to be five hundred. Uh, I think that's the number. That's not possible. Not not mm-hmm. with Marcus Smart now being hurt, and so I think the, the I think it's. No expectations going forward, which actually allows you a little bit of weight off your back because the other times you're fighting. You're like, please just win a game so we can somehow get to six and 19 the first 25. That's where we were. So the the fun, the fascinating thing about what you're you're telling me as far as the expectations just kind of disappearing is that like I've talked to some some podcasters and, and people that are that are close with the, the team. Um of like the Pistons and the Hornets and some teams that are legitimately going nowhere this year, except the very beginning of the lottery. And the the interesting place where the Grizzlies find themselves, as far as I'm concerned, is like, this is a team two years ago that who knows how that, I'm sure I don't have to tell you, who knows how that series against the Warriors plays out if Ja doesn't get hurt. And, you know, last year with, I mean, obviously, Ja had his off the court issues. But that was still a two seed that just ran into this Lakers team that you know was was playing great ball. So there's no like very clear pivot point of like like fire sale, get rid of everybody and rebuild it. It's very much like a stopgap year, you know, where 
you're you're going to take the draft pick when it comes. I guess my my question is like, what does that even look like? Like, do guys just get shut down? Because there's a team that won 56 games that can still exist if you come back with everybody healthy next year. I think you look at the uh, the Warriors in a sense that one gap year, right? You had where they ended up drafting Jonathan Kaminga. I think you're very similar to that with the Grizzlies. Um, we're we're looking at you know Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr., who are healthy. Jaron will be playing uh, in the in the game versus New York, I would assume. Uh, but it is a back to back, so we'll get into that stuff. You know, the, the game talk later. But um, I, you have those two guys who are ascending. With those two ascending, I, I think you have to say we're going to go for it because what that does is that allows them to be themselves and that allows them to play up to their best abilities and possibly, you know, kind of emerge as a different type of a player than just a, a one B or a two or a a three option. Like you, you you can possibly have, you know, three players that could score with the ball, be really good. You know, if you include John Morant with that. And so I think it is a, it is a gap. It is a gap season now. But I don't think that all is lost. You have a lot of good players over there, but I think what you're going to see with the Grizzlies is, you know, you know, the trade deadline could be something that, you know, is looked at. All in all, if they didn't do anything, I think you feel good about going into next year, really. So they could quite literally do nothing at the deadline. Now, maybe there's like a smaller piece that gets moved. That what's funny enough in this post Ananobi and more specifically this post Emmanuel quickly world for Knicks fans, we've started to look around for point guards and <laughs> right. we, we looked at Marcus Smart and whether or not he was a keeper in in uh, Memphis. I want to just ask the question, like how do, how do Grizzlies fans view Marcus Smart? Is he part of the long-term solution in Memphis or could he potentially be had in a deal uh, based off of what you know? Yeah, I would say he's definitely up for, you know, up for sale, we'll say. No, but he's he's available if the okay. right, you know, the right piece. Uh, but I would say he's under contract. I believe it's uh, next three seasons. Um, and so with that, you don't have to make a move. You can see how it all plays out. You know, anything you do is not for this year. And so it's really like, hey, yeah, he's available if you really want him. But we don't have to do anything. And we already know that expectations are low. And so at that point, it actually allows you a little bit better from just being a straight seller. Like, hey, we have to do something. You're not in that mode anymore. I would say he, to me, he's not the best fit next to Ja, but you, but you need a vet. How do, how do you get vets on a team? It is through Marcus Smart. But if you were to get rid of him, you have to feel that because there's too many young guys on a team that want to be good. And so when you have a, a bench filled with people that, you know, really have never won on a on a high level, never been on a winning team in the playoffs other than, you know, this current team, you have to find vets. And so Marcus Smart is that vet. Derek Rose is that vet. He's he's kind of a back, you know, he, he's he's in the back. He's still there. He's in your locker room, uh, but he's not able to put you, you know, the same stuff that he once did right for New York. And so I will say that uh, Marcus Smart is available, but I think you're I think you're asking price. It's still pretty high with him. They're not going to sell them off. It's not an asset. They're just looking to, which, which again goes to the the point that this isn't a fire sale. Exactly. This is very much like a retool because so much went wrong. It's like, it's like your car's in the shop, but it's not totaled. You know, exactly. it's very much like, well, well, we're going to be able to drive this again, but for now we're going to be okay driving this, this rental for the rest of the season. And look, I, it, it's quite literally what Marcus Smart did for Boston all those years when he was a vet while you had the, Jason Tatum's and the Jalen Browns and and what they were doing. Um, and look, you mentioned Derrick Rose. 
the, the Knicks for a while, well, not really for a while because he wasn't here for a while, but when Taj Gibson got re-signed most recently for the Knicks, the thought was that because you lost Derrick Rose, there was a veteran presence missing in our locker room. And seeing what he's done in Memphis this year, it's gone about as expected on the court, but like the thought was that he'd be a veteran point guard next to Ja and just a, a presence in the locker room like you were mentioning. And what we didn't realize was Taj was going to play minutes for the Knicks because Tibbs is obsessed with playing Taj Gibson. <laughs> so, yeah. So, we unfortunately, Taj already got released by the Knicks, but we'll see where he eventually ends up. Uh, I guess my my next question really go- goes to, I, I mean, as far as the, the future of the Grizzlies is concerned, and I guess it, it also has a little bit to do with the past because you brought up the Warriors and their stopgap year when everybody got hurt. But there was almost like some goodwill. I shouldn't say almost. There was goodwill um, uh, built up because this is a team that had won three championships in four years. And I know that like the, the Grizzlies were on the ascend ever since Ja got drafted between the, the playing game that they won to get into the, the playoffs. And then, you know, you get the, uh, the two seed the next season, the next two seasons. Um, I guess my, my thought is my, my, my my curiosity is about the the front office in in Memphis and how much goodwill they've they've built up because like this team's gonna get pretty expensive pretty soon with some of the younger guys needing to get paid and I guess like my my thought is like how how much patience have they earned with the fan base in in Memphis? You know, I I don't think I don't think Grizz Twitter is a real place. I think <laughs> I think it's a place that it, you ends up being a lot of group think. And I think you see that with social media across the board. I think you mm-hmm. do. I think if you take a step back and you actually see it from a different perspective, from a team perspective, from a city perspective, what this team means to the city is everything. And so if you take a step back and take a deep breath, no matter what happens, you have to have this team in the city. And so that picture, you know, what I look at is, has the front office done a good job to put a competitive team on the court to be a competitive team in the, in the, and honestly in the NBA? Yes. Have they drafted well? Yes. Have they also had their mistakes? Yes. But, but who hasn't? Mm-hmm. Like if you're in a rela- relationship, you're never going to get married if you look at all the negatives, right? And if you start putting the pros and cons, you're like, yeah, you know, yeah, I could talk myself in or out of it, right? But realistically, like, are you in love? Yeah, we boy, we in love. So like with the Grizzlies, I think these fans are a little crazy as we all are. And that's fine. But you look at their drafting. They have just hit it out of the park left and right in so many areas. Even now, just signing Vince Williams to a a decent contract, one of the highest, the two ways ever. Like that's that's a big deal. So they've done a very good job. Yes, they had. a. I think Zaire isn't the player you hope to get in the, the top 10 draft pick. Unfortunately, he's one of their highest draft picks outside of Jaw and Jaren. But then if you look at Desmond Bain, you look at Santi Aldama, you look at now Vince Williams, who was 47th overall, I believe. There's a lot of people on the on this team that the front office has drafted well and the coaching staff has done a very good job. Taylor Jenkins is about to be the win- all-time winningest coach or the most wins uh, for the Grizzlies. And that says a lot, especially from a team. But a lot of it does go back to Jaw. But the team, the front office, everybody, I think, has a lot of goodwill from the fans in general, if you ask the right people. <laughs> well, I mean, first of all, this has gone full therapy session, bringing up wh- whether or not it's right to uh, how married to a team you end up being. And the, right. uh, I, I enjoy the introspection, I got to say. Um, I will say, um, and that I think is where Knicks fans can relate a ton because 
I'd argue we were in an abusive relationship for the yes, longest time is. with this team, and yet we still kept giving them chances. And it's like, oh, they got mellow. Oh, they drafted Porzingis. Oh, they, they're going to tank and get Zion, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving. And it's finally we're in a stable relationship. And I think that's why the, the Emmanuel Quickly and RJ Barrett trade was such a shakeup for a lot of people because it was like we had the stability of you building through the draft and giving us young players to get attached to. And then you trade them both on New Year's Eve. And, you know, this, this Ananobi thing has worked out great, although they did just lose in, in Dallas last night. Um, but I can, I can understand, like, because of how good it's been, you, you, you're willing to accept some of the mistakes that have happened most recently, too. And it's you know? not all because of, like, play on the court necessarily. Like, it is injuries, too. Like, if it was a different team, like, hey, we've been healthy. We just are, aren't getting it done. Then yes, but if when you have so many injuries, so many issues that maybe are out of your control, I think that you kind of have to look at it and say, all right, it's not really your fault. You put the team that should be good. It's just you know things happen. I'll be as as gentle as possible, but I, I hinted at it earlier. The the what if of two years ago? How much do Grizzlies fans live that out? One one going back to Golden State, and then like Ja has that game too, which was an amazing down the stretch, and like you. Like the one game five by like a hundred points, so you could see what that team could do against the Warriors. But how much do Grizzlies fans play that out as far as like what could have been if you get by the Warriors in that round? Yeah, uh, I think you can look at it from two sides. Um, me, I, I say, man, you know, you had a chance to catch lightning in a bottle, like you don't get a chance all the time, you don't get to build a team like you know, like the Denver Nuggets have built now, like you just don't. Uh, but you do sometimes get a chance to be a winning team and catch lightning in a bottle and just go, you know, way above expectations. Um, and I think that's really where I feel there's a lot of people that say, you know, it kind of hurt them because realistically you thought you were that good. And then the next year you didn't do as much because you don't want to tinker with it too much. And really you kind of took a step back because of that uh, lack of tinkering with maybe getting the right pieces when these guys were, uh, were young, but also were cheaper. Now that they're all coming up big contracts, I think, you know, some people think that you've missed out, but man, that, that does like the, uh, you can go all the way back to when TA, uh, Tony Allen got hurt, uh, in the playoffs that one time mm. with his hamstring and they literally tried to play him and all he did, uh, they, I think it was the Warriors and they just let him shoot whenever he wanted to, just because he couldn't do anything anymore. Uh, like, so yes, we hate the Warriors. Yeah, uh, that was your question. <laughs> no, that was that was very much like how much like what's the what if and how much you feel about the the feeling. It sounds like is we hate the Warriors. We so hate the that, Warriors. And yep. on both sides, both bookends of the dynasty too, because that that Tony Allen series you're talking about is the 2015 season when the Warriors won their first title and the the Grizz were up to one in that series. Um, yeah, I look as. I, I liken what's happened in Memphis really this past decade to the Knicks in the 90s where there was never a championship one, but there's such an affection for what the franchise accomplished during that time. Some of the happier memories. Well, you didn't win at all. You were still entertained. And, you know, like you said, it's not always an on the court connection that's made. Um, and we'll see, like, like it's a stopgap. It's not like the run is over. Yes. Like John Morant is 23 years old and you have a lot of these kids still, you know, entering into their prime. So we'll, we'll see what happens one day. Um, so as far as this game on Saturday, uh, obviously no jaw, no Marcus smart. Mar I should say we're recording this before the game against the Clippers and I'm not going to assume anything, but we'll just say the Clippers have looked amazing over the last two months. And so I, I mean, the Knicks had a, a back-to-back -back against them where the, 
The Clippers were the second night after they were in Phoenix the night before. And the Clippers just like ran them off the court in the second quarter. Like it was not close. And so um, I'm obviously we'll, we'll see what happens in that game. But um, what should Knicks fans ex- expect in this matchup against the Grizzlies? What can they expect as far as like, like we've seen multiple levels of teams at the bottom uh, or, or on the other side of the play in that it's like there's teams that give you a, a, a good fight and a tough game. And then they beat Portland by 38 the other night. So, you know, what can the Knicks, what can Knicks fans expect? I'd say a um, definitely a tough fought game, and that's going to be. I, I think what you're going to get with the the Grizzlies mo, you know, coming forward is I think you're seeing these young players really say, "Hey, the expectations are gone. Like I don't have the pressure of, you know, Jaws here. I can't make a big mistake. I can't do something stupid, and where we potentially just lose the game. It's literally like, hey, we're probably going to lose." But if for some reason I can kind of play out of my mind and, you know, Bane gets hot, Jaron, you know, takes over uh, being a a bigger size guy against the Knicks, like it really could get, you know, a tough fought game where they could give it to the Knicks. Not in a sense of you ever blow them out. I don't think you blow out a a tips team. It's very tough. (laughs) But I do think that you can have a knockdown drag out fight. And I really do think if you're if you're talking about the Clippers game, the Grizzlies struggle against athleticism. They do. And I'm not saying that the Clippers are, but they're they're kind of the uh, the sports car, right? Well, the big muscle car is the Knicks and the ones that tried, you know, through and through, they're going to just give it to you. And you just kind of like, all right, cool. Like they're that team, but we can hang because they're not going to uh, just run away from us. So th- I think that's what you're going to get. The only thing I hate is it is a back to back. That makes me nervous of what you do. The Grizzlies are from all accounts on the injury report, they're going to play uh, as many people as possible. They only have nine. They're going to play as many people as possible against the Clippers. But how do you set Bain and Jaron at home on a back-to-back? You don't have any other options. So the only thing is, is if there is a blowout on uh, against the Clippers, then you're going to get a full force game out of Bain and Jaron. If not, then it could be, hey, we're going to hold them to 30 minutes and just see what happens. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The next thing I want to ask you, and I guess this is more of a, I do this every episode where I turn the pot over to my guest and I'll, I'll basically want you to host for a little bit and get your thoughts on the Knicks and questions you have about the Knicks and a little behind the scenes. I was told there's trivia. So if there you want to bring up your Knicks trivia, 
right now, I'd actually be very excited because I it's literally the thing I live for is going seeing how well I do with trivia. That's one of the things that I've become known for at Nick's Film School is I remember these obscure things of like, how do you remember that random game from 2002? So I'm I'm ready to te- test myself and see what you got for me. Well, this could get really good because I, I have three different tiers of my question of like, oh my hey, gosh. if you get it right, I might ask and dig in a little bit more. I'm going to go off the, the very top. Uh, but at Grizz and I, when we do a our second segment, as we always start the, uh, right after our first set of commercials, is we just ask Grizz trivia. And my co-host is a complete idiot that has no idea about trivia or the history of the Grizzlies. Okay. But he's just, he's just a... He, dude, he is the entertainer on the show. But... I ask him these questions and most of the time he gets lucky. Weirdly enough, do you know this? And this is not Nick's Grizzlies. They before when they whenever they were receiving when the Vancouver Grizzlies were getting their franchise, they wanted to name the team the Vancouver what? Do you know? I don't know. The Vancouver Mounties. Ooh. That's he, a that's a Canada thing, yeah. Okay, yeah. And so somebody said, "No, we can't do the Mounties." So they became yeah. the Grizzlies anyway. Uh, but this is Nick's trivia. So Andrew, you are on. Oh the no! Call. Okay. Right. So in the draft, this is not people that they trade away, not people that they draft and trade, but actually players that end up playing for the actual team out of the draft all time. What is the college? player that has been drafted the most as in like what college have they drafted the most players from first guess is kentucky wow you're close okay so i, I obviously okay I mean, quickly, quickly and kevin knox were were recent um and this is all time so this uh all this time school, all their players are from 1949 to 2000 the most recent one was 2000 so that's going to go back a little bit oh so it's a 2000 draft pick in 2000, they drafted. That's the lamp, the Lampe draft. So that's he was drafted 30 because the league only had 29 teams. Who am I? I'm blanking on who they took in the first round, though. So I'm showing that in 2000, the second round pick 39 was a Lavar Postel. Lavar Postel, yes. yeah, that guy. And where'd he go? St. John's. Saint so is Saint John's really their the the school they've drafted the most from, or is that not 15, the answer? Fifteen. Fifteen draft oh, wow. picks. That is the most. Saint John's. You know, you know what's funny about that? So there's actually a legendary draft pick they didn't make that went to St. John's. So really? in uh, I believe it's either the year before or the year two years before, famously Meta World Peace, aka Ron Artest, uh went to St. John's and the Knicks had the fifteenth pick and uh, our test is sitting there had just had like a, a great run during the Big East tournament and 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 the, and the NCAA tournament and like local kid it was like this is perfect you add him to the mix and they took Frederick Weiss with the 15th pick it was like a seven footer overseas uh, the Olympics happened now I know it's definitely 98 because the Olympics happened right after that and you know that iconic clip of Vince Carter dunking over somebody. That was Frederick Weiss. Who after that, never came to the NBA. He's like, this is what happens over there. And then obviously like, nah. our, our test went the next pick. And obviously his career went a certain way. But a lot of Knicks fans look at that pick as, you know, why what, a big what if of maybe he ends up in New York and it's it's a little different. So that's that's not good. I see. I didn't yeah. know that. I, I was looking through here and I'm seeing the, the normal schools that you would expect. And I start seeing them and all of a sudden I see 
some random, random schools. And then I come down to St. John's and I'm like, mm-hmm. God, like it was the whole, my Excel you know, list that I have. It was like, I was like, God, dog, I just kept going. It was like 15, but it was a lot through 49 to 2000. Because of that, I have another question. So you did name the other school uh, that has drafted uh, three players since 2000. Who is the other school that has had three players drafted from? So it's, like, it's not Kentucky? It is Kentucky is one. There's so it's another school that quickly. has three. Oh, so I don't name the three players. So it's another yeah, yeah, school. Sorry. Another school. Um, Shannon Fry went to Arizona. Uh, David Lee went to Florida. That's correct. Ooh. Uh, I, 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 I'll pass. Damn. I feel bad now that I, I feel like I'm good at trivia that I don't know colleges. Who? What's the answer? You were on it. Channing Fry. Arizona. It is Arizona. Okay. So who are the other Arizona kids? Uh, they had Jordan Hill. Channing Fry and Ali Kara Dennis. <laughs> sure. Oh, so I, I forgot that Jordan Hill went to Arizona, but um, that that's another famous draft because the pick before Jordan Hill was Steph Curry, and the pick after Jordan Hill was Demar Derozan. So that's what I was looking at uh, the the draft, and I thought you know it was impressive. You know this team. I, I like the New York Knicks, and I think they're they're very good. They're, they're Tibbs of style, and I think that's why you go out and get OG and. and and actually add him into this. I do have a question. So with the Knicks is, you know, you have, you know, Jalen Brunson, who's your main scorer. I would assume it's Randall, but who's your, who's your next guy that is your, your big score on this team. It's absolutely Julius Randall. So he, I mean, we're talking two time all NBA. We'll see what happens with the all-star voting, but the, um, I mean, maybe headed to a third all-star team, which I mean, the, the company he'd be in for as far as the Knicks is concerned this century, of guys that have been to three all-star teams, it's Carmelo Anthony, and that's the end of the list. So that's the company that Randall could potentially find himself in if he makes the all-star team. I do think that there is a a wait-and-see approach with Knicks fans of what version of him we get in the playoffs, but um, it honestly can sometimes be 1-1A one when it comes to main scores between Brunson and Randall. Is so I know there has been a lot of slander for you know Randall within the Knicks fan base, and a lot of it was last year. But what does he need next to him to be the best version of himself? So honestly, spacing, which is why the Ananobi trade was so my goodness, how it's fit like a glove. And this has been a debate amongst some Knicks fans. I mean, even in our circle of how miscast RJ Barrett might have been to be like the spacing wing. In, in New York, uh, he's off to a good start in Toronto, and he's actually playmaking, which uh, that had started to fall. It, it's it's a tough thing with RJ's because he's the, the elite thing that he was good at is getting downhill and getting to the rim. He just wasn't accurate enough to demand so many paint touches. And first six games of the year, he was distributing out of his paint touches, and he was creating looks in the wing and in the corners. And then he had some migraines and then came back and that part of his game just disappeared. Now he's gone to Toronto and he's doing it again. And he's also shooting like 50% from three. I am curious what happens with RJ when the shots stop falling. And with Randall, like so far he has like DiVincenzo in one corner where he's elite from and Ananobi in another corner where he's elite from. He can have some ton of visual vision at times, but they've created a lot of open looks with that type of spacing. And yeah, I, as far as what he needs, as far as what's around him, I think, honestly, I also think weirdly enough, the Mitchell Robinson injury that just happened kind of 
cleared out the paint a little bit because Hartenstein could come up to the elbow or even the three point line and you can run plays from place through him from there, which then like the rims wide open. So um, as far as schematically, that's what I'd say. There is also a hint of, and look, I I'm trying to be as respectful as possible to him, but just don't be a pumpkin in the playoffs. Like I, I, it's just that he has, he has the tendency at times to just not look the way he does in the regular season. And while I give him a pass for last year because of the injury and two years ago, because it was one on five out there. I don't think another performance like another playoffs like that. I don't think he's going to have any excuses with the fan base. And it stinks too. Cause as I mentioned, he's, he's climbing up leaderboards amongst the fan base that, um, just only Melo really exists this is this century. It's him and Carmelo Anthony at the top of most of them. No, Randall has been great. And he, I think he does need to be the creator in a sense. And I know Brunson has been that, but I think they can play off each other. Like you were saying, uh, because you asked that, because you hinted on that last thing, I didn't want to ask this, but now I have to now. Go ahead. I want to know your Mount Rushmore for New York Knicks. Oh my. Wow. So it's funny. I, I sent you the line, the rundown ahead of time. I'm going to ask your Mount Rushmore. You turned it on me. I appreciate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I very much do appreciate it because no one ever asks me that question. Uh, my Knicks are Carmelo Anthony. Obviously, the jersey behind me is is he's going to put get in, end up on there. Uh, Carmelo Anthony, Latrell Sprewell, Wow, Allen okay. Houston, Patrick Ewing. Wow, I yeah. like that. Yeah, with an honorable mention, if I was allowed to put a fifth person up there to Jamal Crawford. But Jamal Crawford over, over so, Starks. So, so my first memory of bat of the Knicks is '97. So that was Starks getting moved to the bench. Like he was the sixth man of the year that year. The next two years later, he's traded for Sprewell. I was a Michael Jordan fan when I at the time, and so my first year, real year being a Knicks fan was '99 without. Starks and with Sprewell. So it's, I don't have anything against John Starks. I just didn't ever really root for him when he was on a basketball team. Um, the Jamal Crawford of it all is I was, I believe I was 19 when he was in New York and I like learned how to drive and it was like he, he was always stopped for autographs and I always appreciated that. But I was like, one of the first things I was able to do was like, oh, you got your license. Great. We're going to the garden. We're going to, to, to watch That's the awesome. Mets. We're going to watch what's the interesting thing is that we used to have to go to Jersey to watch the Nets when they were there. And um, it was whatever guys would stop for autographs grew in our hearts. So I have a, I have like a, a box at my parents' house in Long Island of like ticket stubs that just have, Jamal Crawford's name on him because he would be the only one that would stop after games. So that's awesome. I've yeah. never thought of Jamal Crawford. So that, that was a great, it's, it's so obscure. Believe yeah, me, he, yeah. there's, it's very specific to me. He's like 13th <laughs> as far as Knicks fans that may ever, when you ask them this question, it's that specific memory that was built that I waited after games and you were the one person that would actually stop and, and sign all of our ticket stuff. So I appreciate that. Um, it's now my turn to turn it back on you. Yes. And we'll wrap up by asking you the Mount Rushmore of Grizzlies rivals. So I obviously I told you that I, I like to find out who the, the dates that you circle on the calendar, who the teams you look forward to playing, who the rivalries that are built up over the years. So go right ahead, Daniel. Who are the Mount Rushmore of Grizzlies rivals? I think there is one that stands alone 
higher than everybody else, and that is the Warriors. I think that's understood at this point. Even though they don't say it's a rivalry, it is what it is. I don't mm-hmm. care. Uh, but from your perspective, it absolutely I love it. I okay. love it. The uh, you circle. Yeah, you have to go with the Lakers next because of the uh, the playoff matchups, but also a lot of the beef that's happened. Uh, Desmond Bain, I, I don't know how much you know about Desmond Bain, but the dude is a dog. Like that dude, it, like if you have any kind of issue and you need somebody to always back you, on his arms are kind of bigger than most. But second, like he's going to step up whether – you know, it is to AD and AD's, you know, much bigger than he is. Uh, but the, 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 I guess the games between them have always been great. Uh, the, uh, the, the, I guess the trash talking has always been great. So there has to be the <laughs> Lakers there as well. Uh, these next ones were a little different for different reasonings, but it, the Pelicans are one of mine. I think a lot of, uh, you know, the Grizzlies fan base is because of you do have the Zion, the Josta. They are really close um, fans. A lot of fans, you know, will take that drive down. I think it's uh, six hours away uh, and go to those away games that are down in New Orleans. Uh, and so that's a that's always a good time. Plus, to CJ McCollum kills us. Mm. And so, <laughs> so it's always <laughs> just in a bane of our existence. Uh, and then the last one would be the Minnesota Timberwolves. And not as much this year, but in the years past is because that fan base is, you know, uh, rabid. Like when it comes to their home games. And on Twitter, on social media, we kind of go back and forth in a, in a healthy way. Uh, but the fact that the teams go at it, uh, Anthony Edwards loves playing in Memphis. His girlfriend is from Memphis, I do believe. Uh, and so that helps. Uh, so he tries to show out and uh, him and Jod, you know, get along. So I always look at the young guys and, and it is, you know, the Zion, the Anthony Edwards. And then you have your, the old heads of Steph and Clay, who wants to count all his rings every time, and then LeBron and AD. So that's my four. <laughs> so two things. First of all, as far as the Timberwolves are concerned, how complicated has it been watching Mike Conley in a Timberwolves uniform? Um, he's one of the ones that gets a pass. Okay. He left on good terms. And I'd say all the, you know, the core four that were there, you know, they all left on good terms uh, in a sense. But yeah, he gets a pass. Like he's always celebrated. He will forever be celebrated. He'll end up doing, you know, some stuff back here in Memphis, you know, once he's done. It's weird. The connection of those core four and Memphis, I'm, you don't realize how really strong it is and how much of a bond it is. Uh, but, you know, it's it's bigger than than basketball. If I had to just make a cliche statement, it really is. And then the thing that's always fascinated me when I ask people this question is how few division rivals show up. And when it's especially when I ask outside of my own division, because if you ask a lot of Knicks fans, obviously Brooklyn, because there's a a second team in the city gets brought up the Celtics because of New York, Boston, the Sixers because of New York, Philly. And honestly, because of this trade, now there's a New York Toronto aspect that has been created. I would include Miami or uh, Indiana because of the playoff battles that have happened between those th- uh, those teams over the years. But I recognize that for most Knicks fans, it's the locality that matters. And you named one division team. So I, I'm curious, has there ever been anything with the Grizzlies with another division rival? I know they played the Spurs a couple times in the playoffs, so maybe it might be them, right? Well, it ha- to say to say it to be a rival, you have to actually beat them. <laughs> fair, and, that's very fair. Yeah. yeah, and and honestly, we were getting smoked by them, except for that one year when the Grizzlies did play well against them. You know, it, it's Pop is so respected that you know, especially in the you know Grizzlies fan base, that he's so respected that you kind of just say, hey, you know, kind of he's our daddy in a sense, like he is mm. that guy. And, you know, if we're good, it is what it is, but it's not a rivalry. It never has had, you know, there's got to be something there, whether, you know, but I would say I was looking at, you know, Dallas, Dallas 
kicks our brains in every single time we play. And Luca <laughs> is just Luca magic. He always plays well against us. So it's hard to do that. And, and the other ones, you know, it's not really, there's nothing there. There, I need substance. I need some kind of trash talking to be a rival. I need, a, I need something there to be able to say, Hey, they're both going at it. You know, when that, when you, when I go down, I look at the the different schedule and I did, I do every single year. I circle the games that I want to make sure that I do the post game show on. Mm. So whatever day it is, I don't want to miss those. And so those are my four teams. When I start looking at them, I'm like those are the ones I circled. Those are the four teams I have to put down. I love that you literally have the version of the question I'm asking. I Who are did. the teams you circle on the calendar? Oh, wow. It's actually being applied what I'm asking. Yes. So yes. you, it was perfect that I asked you this question, Daniel. Um, well, I've enjoyed our conversation, man. It was great to meet you. Uh, thank, appreciate you talking to my audience a little bit more about what's going down on down in Memphis. Before you get out of here, please let the fine folks know where you could uh, they can find you and all your stuff. Yeah, you can find me. I'm obviously at Daniel Greer on Twitter. It's simple, but nobody cares about me. But the show is at Grizz on One Podcast. Uh, we do uh, live post game shows after every game, similar to what y'all do as well. And so uh, our our biggest thing is we're not going to be the smartest people in the room, uh, but we can be really funny. But we try to educate and kind of entertain you as well. And so we have a, a a good group that follows us. And so as soon as the the buzzer sounds, we always go live and uh, we have a good time with it. And so. Uh, it's always fun here in the Bluff City. Uh, we're with Bluff City Media, uh, trying to branch out and grow and, and, and be a little bit bigger of a piece in Memphis uh, within the media department. But uh, but yeah, if you're ever um, you know doing you know hopping on and you say, hey, you know what? I can't find any content. I need something to do. If the Grizzlies are over, we're definitely going to be on. Listen, I, the big thing I like to tell people is like the Knicks Film School bump, if we can, whether it's like a five star rating on iTunes or even just invading your comment section after a game. Um, I will personally obviously watch us Knicks Film School faithful, but head on over to uh, Grizz901 after the game on Saturday. Even if it was just a good game and thanks for coming on. Let's 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 spread the spread the love if we, if we possibly can. Uh, Daniel, thank you for so much for joining me. For sure. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Once again, a big thank you to Daniel for coming on today's show. As you heard, I enjoyed it. I hope I didn't disappoint all of you with how poor I did in trivia. Uh, I just, look, I, I covered college basketball in, in college, and it was like the day I graduated was the day I stopped watching college basketball. I used to be pretty religious. Like, ask me anything from 2010 to 2015, and I got you. Uh, after that, I'm I'm pretty pretty illiterate when it comes to the college game, which is why we have the fine folks like uh, Chris Persiani and all the draft experts out there, and Prez over at the Strickland, all the people that that study these kids for 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 leisure and for fun, and of course for a living, uh, should all be commended because then I don't have to. So shout out uh, to them, and of course shout out to Daniel. Really enjoyed the conversation today. The KFS bump drew them a five star rating a review head over to their youtube channel get the subscribers up invade their comments uh you you know what we like to do here at next swim school take care of the people that make time for us as far as i'm concerned i will be back on 
Monday morning with an episode previewing the game against the Orlando Magic. But until next time, thank you for listening. Enjoy the game tonight, and I will speak with you soon. Peace. Peace.